We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. to tell you. And you have 10 things to tell. This show is about connection with each other and with ourselves. And the hope is that the things we talk about here will be fuel for better conversations and a personal awareness. This is an interactive podcast. Each episode has a prompt and a topic that I want you to take to your journal, text to your best friend, or answer on social media using the hashtag 10 things to tell you. This is a show about digging deeper and sharing our stuff. I'll go first. Welcome friends to this episode of the 10 things to tell you podcast. I'm so glad that you pressed play today so that I can tell you not to be a zombie. That is the topic of today's episode, Don't Be a Zombie, Thoughts on Intuition. (laughs) And I'm recording this episode because I need it. I needed to think about these things and talk through some of these things. And so it's important for me to note to you, just as a reminder, I am not in any way an expert on intuition or psychology or mysticism or any of these topics that you might put in the category of speaking very publicly about listening to your intuition, I am not a professional at any of those things. I am very passionate about this topic and about listening to my own intuition and encouraging you to listen to yours. And as I have been on that journey for the last few years, I've shared a lot about it, and so I feel like we're all in this together. That's how I want this to come across. That's how I want you to hear this. And also, when I put out a call a couple of weeks ago for the Ask Me Anything episode, which was last week, episode 93 was Ask Me Anything, I got a few different questions about intuition, and so I felt like I had enough to say and that it was important enough for me to break off that topic and bring it here to its own episode in a time when I think I can't be the only one who has zombied out in the last few months. Now, truthfully, this probably happens a little bit at the end of every year. The holiday season, especially when you have little kids, when you are in the chaotic, frenzied family stage of the holidays, which is where I've been for the last few years, it does become all too easy to just go on autopilot, you know, pound your way through a to-do list, make sure you're taking care of everyone else around you and everything that needs to be done. And with all that going on, who has time to deal with their intuition. You know what I mean? So the truth is, I probably need this pep talk every single year. But especially this year, where there are so many added layers of stress, I don't need to recount them to you. You are living it as well. But we are on roughly month 10 of a global pandemic, among other concerns in our world. And we are weary All of us, I know we're exhausted. And when we're exhausted and when our to-do list is a mile long, intuition takes a back seat, right? Like it's one of the first things to go in the self-care department. At least for me, it is because I tend to think, oh, I got this. I know how to handle this situation. 
I know exactly how to take on teacher gifts and a big meal and family dynamics and on and on and on. And I just get in this mode of productivity or get it done, or in some cases, the opposite of that. Because when I am stressed and anxiety-ridden, I'm an overachiever, but I know that some people go the opposite way and they become very unmotivated. It's very hard to move forward when you're very stressed. And so no matter where you fall on that spectrum, when we are not thriving in any capacity, we lose the patience or the stillness to sit with our intuition or even to tune in to our intuition. And so I feel like a lot of us are there right now. I know I am. And so I wanted to just speak about all aspects of this. I want to talk about the why this is important to do and why this shouldn't be something that you should just dismiss or roll your eyes at. I want to talk about the how. If you're new to paying a lot of attention to your intuition, I want to talk about a few of the hows that have worked for me. I want to talk about the anxiety element. If you do not classify yourself as an anxious person, this is still relevant because I think it can be interchangeable in this context, not in every context. It can be interchangeable with just stress and other ways that we deal with seasons of high intensity, no matter what sort of label you put on it. But just that sort of piece when things are not going as planned for whatever reason and you know why those stresses or anxieties or whatever you want to call it, like how those interfere with your intuition. I also want to talk a bit about relationship and how tuning into your intuition can help your relationships and also that there's sometimes a push and pull, a little bit of a tug of war in your relationships if you're not exactly eye to eye on how you feel about something intuitively. And then I want to get to the biggie, the thing that seems to come up over and over again when we talk about intuition, and that is messing it up, mishearing it, mucking it up, being wrong about something. That's definitely a big part of this. And then also, of course, at the very end, we'll talk about what getting it right looks like and how that feels in your life and how we can acknowledge that to ourselves. So that is the gist of... What we're going to talk about today, don't be a zombie. Let's start with why. Now, it seems obvious, of course, why we do not want to be a zombie. All of the reminders that we get all the time to be present and cherish every moment and look deep into our children's eyes and all of those things are all subtle reminders, all saying the same thing. Don't be a zombie. And what I want to reiterate here to you is that I do not say that with any level of shame. I have had times in my life where zombie was the only option. And just putting one foot in front of the other was absolutely the best I could do. And that was enough. So if you're hearing this and you're thinking, oh no, I'm a zombie, And now I feel bad about myself because of it. That is not what I want you to hear here. If you are in a stage where zombie is survival, where zombie is getting your home and people fed and clothed, and that is the priority, then you zombie on. Seriously. I don't want you to hear any shame in the zombiness. It's necessary sometimes. But if you are in a place where you sort of weave in and out of zombie, or you're just not quite sure how to tune in, but you're ready to, this is the why. When you make time to sit and listen to your intuition, when you heed your intuition, meaning that you make decisions around it, you will feel in so much more alignment in your body and in your spirit And by alignment, I just mean you will feel good. You will feel better. It will be a more pleasant day and week when you are tuning into yourself. I think when people hear other people talk about listening to your intuition, our brain goes immediately to like 
saving people from a speeding train or running out of the house before there's a house fire or, you know, these really like heroic, big stories that are interesting and are compelling. I would love a good intuition story, but that's not day-to-day life. That's not regular life. When I'm talking about listening to your intuition, when I am encouraging you to not be a zombie, I'm talking about just like your average Tuesday at noon. You know what I mean? That's a really big difference. It doesn't have to be this mountain to climb of going from being your awesome regular self to being at the peak of enlightenment mountain where you're just zinning out. This is not a gap that we're trying to close. When I'm talking about listening to your intuition, I am mostly just talking about some of your day-to-day decisions, who you're in relationship with, how you spend your time, you know, working with your talents and gifts in a career or in a hobby or something that fulfills you. So yes, there's obviously there's some huge, big life decisions that I hope you are listening to your deepest spirit on, like a career path, like choosing a partner, choosing a parenting philosophy or something like that. But most of us are not standing at this sort of a crossroads every single day. We don't even stand at that kind of a crossroads more than just a few times in our life. And we can't take that moment to listen to our intuition for the first time. You have to build it up like a muscle. You have to be listening to yourself, tuning into your truest instincts so that when you come to those type of crossroads, you have nudged yourself forward in a way that the path is then made clear. That is what listening to your intuition is about. Small daily decisions that then make the big ones more natural. It doesn't feel like leaping off a cliff. It doesn't feel like an enormous scary sacrifice. It just feels like more of ourselves. That is the why for me. When I am leaning into my intuition, I am more myself. When I am relying too heavily on outside opinions or autopilot or ghosts from my past that are in my head or old versions of myself, old patterns that are just easy to fall into like grooves but aren't really my truest self. When I lean on all of those crutches and away from my intuition, I don't feel good. I feel off, and I know you know what I mean. You just feel off. Something's not right, but you can't pinpoint it. Is it PMS? Is it something deeper than that? I will sometimes go like a full week of feeling like, why do I feel so weird? And I realize it's because I haven't taken the time to tune into myself, to ask myself what I really think or want. And that's why I'm feeling yucky. Or that's why I'm not feeling anything at all. Because numbness is a big part of the zombie mentality, right? It's just easier to not feel anything to numb our emotions, to numb our pain, to numb our alarm bells. It's so easy to get into that zombie state. But once you have experienced living intuitively, purposefully, like once you have made it a practice, a daily practice, even for just a short time, you will notice the difference. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness or something that is preventing you from achieving your goals? BetterHelp is an online professional counseling service available to clients worldwide. You can start communicating in under 48 hours. It is not self-help. It is not a crisis line. BetterHelp will match you based on your needs with your own licensed professional therapist. You can log in at any time and send a message to your therapist and you'll receive timely and thoughtful responses. You can even schedule weekly video or phone sessions instead of having to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room, especially right now. It's more affordable than traditional office counseling and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to have a great therapeutic match so it's easy and free to change therapists if necessary. Visit BetterHelp.com. 
betterhelp.com slash you, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P, and join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. 10 Things to Tell You listeners get 10% off their first month by going to betterhelp.com slash you, Y-O-U. That's betterhelp.com slash you. And now back to the show. So this brings us to the how. The how of listening to your intuition is, like the why of listening to your intuition, somewhat obvious and somewhat easier to do sometimes than others. There are two ways that I like to tell people to start when they're trying to tune in to their intuition. And it's funny because I think we know how to do it. Like it's one of those things where you think, oh yeah, I know how to tune into my intuition, right? Like I already know how to do that. But then when you actually try to use words to explain it, it's complicated. (laughs) So the two things that I do when I have been zombied out for a bit and need a reset Or when I was just very first starting this intentional work of listening to my intuition is to sit in stillness. Okay, okay, I know that I talk about this all the time. I really beat this drum, but I don't care. I'm going to tell you again now to set your timer and sit in stillness. Start with just three to five minutes. This is not meditation. I don't want you to focus on your breath. I don't want you to try and clear your mind. I want you to set the timer and then just sit there. That is it. That is the whole exercise. If you have not tried this, this is going to seem super dumb because what are we actually doing? When you do try this for the first time, you will be shocked and embarrassed at how crazy your mind is. Because when I sit in stillness, all kinds of things happen. For the first minute or two, my mind runs races of all the things I should be doing instead, of something that irritated me earlier in the day, of how I'm gonna handle something in the future. Like I'm just, it's just a disastrous, disastrous mess in there for the first few minutes. Then when things start to settle, a little bit, a couple of minutes in, you realize how weird it is that you are sitting there in stillness. And I think that's weird because we spend every waking minute of our day with some kind of distraction. We have a podcast in our ears, at least hopefully sometimes we do. We have the TV on in the background. We have kids playing, making noise in the background. We're driving we're working, we're thinking about working, we're cooking, we're thinking about cooking, all the things constantly running in our head. It's all so much noise. The social media scroll, the talking heads on the TV, even if you think to yourself, oh no, I don't like to have constant noise in the background of my life. I think you'll be surprised that most of us do have some kind of background hum going, even if it's completely out of our control, like other family members in the house or whatever. When we choose to sit in stillness, you will notice this. And then what might happen, and maybe not, but what might happen is that something will rise to the top. Something random. Maybe you'll think of an old high school friend that you really haven't thought much about in a million years. Now, maybe you scrolled past her Facebook post last week and it pinged something in your brain And now here it is coming to you completely randomly in your time of stillness. Maybe out of the complete clear blue sky, something will bubble up about a book you've been meaning to read. Well, that doesn't feel very intuitive, right? It was already on your to-read list. You already purchased it even. It's in a stack of other books you wanted to read. What's intuitive about that? But for some reason, if it comes up in your just few minutes of stillness, Make a special note of it, like, oh, maybe I should bump that to the top of my to-read list. And then you might be surprised that when you go to open it, it contains the exact message that you need to hear at the exact right time. Maybe when you're sitting in stillness and trying not to think of your to-do list, something weird bubbles to the surface about the holidays, an old memory, a new to-do that you had forgotten. A solution to a conundrum? 
I'm not going to tell you that every single time you sit in stillness, some kind of magical thing happens that comes to your mind like delivered via the universe. That's not it at all. The expectation here should just be that sitting with yourself for a few minutes, you can tune in to what you're really thinking and feeling about, to something that is sort of pinging in your brain that you haven't let come all the way through. Maybe sitting there for a few minutes makes you realize that your ankle is really sore. And actually, it's been sore for a few days. What happened? Did I hurt myself? I've been totally ignoring it. There are a lot of things that will show themselves to you when you sit in stillness. Your body will feel a certain way. Your emotions might finally get a minute to breathe and make themselves known. Even thoughts racing and being a jumbled mess, as mine often are, will still be revealing in a certain way because then you might think, oh gosh, if my thoughts are this jumbled, I think I need to do this stillness thing a little more often, or I really need to make a concerted effort to turn off some of the background noise or whatever. This sitting in stillness piece is my number one how. And I think that you should do it as often as you can, once a day minimum, but in especially frenzied times, try and do it a few times a day. Just try it for a week and see what comes up. I am sure that you can agree that literally no one wants to smell bad. But sometimes regular underarm deodorant just isn't cutting it. Or maybe it's not your underarms that need help. With Lumi, you don't have to worry. Lumi is the first of its kind in total body deodorant and is fully safe to use anywhere on your body. It is clinically proven to block odor all day and control it for up to 72 hours. The secret is mandelic acid, where instead of masking odor with a fragrance, it stops the odor before it even starts. I especially love that Lumi deodorant is baking soda and paraben free, as well as pH balanced for safe use on all areas of your body. You can choose from a variety of bright scents like clean tangerine, lavender sage, and toasted coconut. Lumi's starter pack is perfect for new customers. It comes with a solid stick deodorant, cream tube deodorant, two free products of your choice like a mini body wash or deodorant wipes, and free shipping. As a special offer for listeners, new customers get 15% off all Lumi products with our exclusive code. And if you combine the 15% off with the already discounted starter pack, that equals over 40% off the starter pack. Use code U for 15% off your first purchase at lumideodorant.com. That's code U, Y-O-U, at Lumi, L-U-M-E, deodorant, D-E-O-D-O-R-A-N-T.com. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. This is the start of listening to your intuition. The second how, if you're really struggling, and this is especially good for bigger things, not just little daily things, but not like major life milestones necessarily either. But if you're trying to figure out how to interact with someone or make a decision or like something that's a little weightier than the day-to-day, but you're just not totally sure how to handle it or how to feel about it, is to intuition journal. Now, I'm going to tell you this practice. It's going to sound bananas. The first time that I heard about it, and I believe the first time I heard about it was from Jess Lively. She's another podcaster that I've listened to for a long time. When I first heard about this, and I've since heard a lot of people talk about it, I thought, now this is you know, this is creeping towards the edge of my woo-woo-ness. Like I like a little woo-woo, but this starts to feel weird, like a Ouija board or something. So I understand if you think that this is weird. I'm going to tell you anyway, because it has worked for me and I know that it has worked for other people. You get out a notebook, a blank piece of paper, and I do this with a thing I'm going to throw away. I do not do this in my like journal that I'm going to keep and read later. Often intuition journaling is nonsensical to look back on maybe, or it might be 
you know, sort of sensitive, tender moments. So I get a temporary, you know, throwawayable piece of paper and I write at the top whatever the question is. I mean, I write it out like it's homework. I write at the top the literal question, which is, I don't know, pick something relevant to the moment. Something like, should I confront my friend or not? And I only bring that example up because I've had a lot of questions and thoughts around friendships in 2020, a different subject, but I'm sort of just loosely bringing it up here. So maybe you want to journal this out because you have a very long time friendship that is causing you some angst. You don't know how to deal with it because you have a beautiful shared history with this person, but recently some things have been revealed and you're just not sure that this is a healthy friendship for you to continue in, but it's just too hard to think about any alternative to staying in it. So you might write that at the top of your intuition journal, and then you sit there in silence for a few minutes, and then you just start writing whatever comes up. Now, again, this is not like your typical journal entry. You don't need to give yourself any backstory. You don't need to write out your every feelings. This is intuition journaling. So it's sort of just like write whatever comes up in response to this question, even if it feels like it doesn't make sense. So you might write in full sentences. You might not. What comes up might have something directly to do with that friend and the situation or it might not. It doesn't matter. There are no rules here other than you are sort of spiritually meditating on the question and you are answering it from a place within. So, you know, we've been talking about intuition for a few minutes now and people are going to ascribe intuition to all kinds of different things. You might believe it's God or the Holy Spirit. You might believe it's the universe. You might believe it's your innermost voice. You might believe it's a combination of all of those things. It doesn't matter. All of those apply to what I'm talking about here in that you're sort of answering yourself in an intuition journal in a way that works for you. So whether that's answering yourself as if You know, a friend had asked this question and you were answering her or answering it as if a spiritual being was speaking to you and through you. That part all comes down to personality type and belief systems. And so you work within that framework that works for you to how to think about it, how to feel comfortable in doing it. But I do want you to try. And it's very important that you write down even the random things that come up when you're intuitively journaling because they might seem random, but as you get to the end of the page, you might realize kind of what was being hinted at there or why that thread of thought came up at all. You know, it it will all sort of loop together or maybe it won't, but I guess what I'm trying to get you to do is not self-filter Not only write it down if it directly matters, not only write it down in a way like you're writing for an audience, because you're not. This is like communing with yourself or communing with the spiritual realm. This is working with intuition. So that's my two main hows of listening to your intuition, sitting in stillness and doing the intuition journal. Next, we're going to talk about anxiety and intuition and how often we conflate the two. Anecdotally, not by any science or data that I actually know, but just from observations, just from the very many friendships and relationships in my life, I feel like there's a correlation between people who are anxious, naturally anxious, bend towards the anxious, and people who are also highly intuitive. A lot of times it seems like those two things go hand in hand, maybe because people who are naturally very anxious, as opposed to people who might be situationally anxious or have hormonal anxiety or, you know, there's lots of different types of anxiety. And so I hate to lump it all into one big ball of wax because it's not all one big thing. But for those of us who have had kind of a lifetime of anxiety, even if it's just a low hum, 
I also think many of us tend to be on the sensitive side of being very high vibrational. Like we pick up other people's stress. We are very attuned to weird vibes in a room or in a situation. And when you are empathic like that, when you have a lot of sensitivities to emotion and stress and, you know, really pick up when something is off, it can just be very difficult to discern between that and your own intuition. It's a lot of information. It's a lot of feelings and emotional noise. And I really have to work hard at separating my own intuition from external factors. You know, it's almost like dialing into the right channel on an old-timey radio, if that analogy holds. And I talked a lot more about this. I did a whole episode about this because I think it's really common. I know it's something that I struggle with and think about. And every time I talk about intuition, this question comes up from someone is how can you tell the difference between anxiety and intuition? So I did a whole episode just about that and talking about different layers to what that feels like and looks like and how to learn to tune in to yourself in that way. That's episode 57. That was actually only earlier this year. It feels like a million jillion years ago. But I did that episode in March, episode 57, if you want to go back and listen to that. And then right after that, there is a bonus episode with Dr. Becky at home that's all about anxiety in general. This was at the very beginning of the pandemic. A lot of people were feeling unmoored. And that conversation with Dr. Becky is absolutely one of the most important things I have ever recorded. And so if this section really matters to you, if talking about the anxiety piece and the intuition piece, even though Dr. Becky and I don't really get into a ton of intuition, but those two episodes together are a deep dive on those things. Episode 57 and then the bonus with Dr. Becky, they were both in March of 2020. Please go listen to them if you want to hear more about that. I will sum up very briefly how I try to, I don't always get this right, but how I try to discern the difference between my anxiety and my intuition. This is something that I learned from my therapist, actually. She said this to me, some version of this, and it is something I come back to time and time again, and that is that anxiety feels like a babbling brook, if you will. It feels like running water. Depending on how bad your anxiety is, it could feel like, you know, rapids. But it feels like moving water. It feels like movement. I I don't know how else to say it. Intuition feels like still water. There is no movement with intuition. It is a knowing It is peaceful and calm, even if what you are intuiting is scary or hard or something, the intuition piece of it is very peaceful and still. If you feel something that you've talked yourself into being intuition, but it feels like running water, it feels like there's movement in it, it feels scary, there's a lot of fear around it, that's anxiety. And I call upon that imagery. That is so useful to me. I call upon it regularly when I am feeling very nervous about something, fearful about something, and I wonder if I am having intuition about it. I really have to check in on what the quote-unquote water feels like. Does it feel still or does it feel like movement? Even a ripple movement, because sometimes I try to convince myself it's still water. But it's not. My anxiety has movement to it. And most of the time, you know, this is common sense, but I'm going to say it anyway. If you think you're having an intuition about something that is scary, or you think you're having an intuition about something bad is going to happen, I just think a vast majority of the time, that is not intuition. Like, intuition is not a fortune teller. I understand why it gets sort of you know, put in that same vein. And and sometimes it 
does kind of play out in that sort of way, like you're making a prediction. But I don't really think that that's what is useful to us about intuition or what serves us. And so if you're feeling a lot of fear about something potentially happening, for me at least, that's most of the time going to be anxiety and it's not going to be true intuition. You know, our anxieties and our fears, you know, we have them for a reason. And maybe there are alarm bells that go off in our head and heart when there should be warning us of something to come or something to be careful of. And that's true. But if you're living in a place where there's a lot of fear, where there is a lot of paranoia or thoughts of everything's bad, everything's wrong, that's a very heightened state of anxiety. And when you are living like that, especially if it goes on and on, and I have been in times of my life where I was in a heightened state of anxiety for weeks or more, and it becomes very difficult to tune into anything else, let alone your intuition. When you are in that kind of state of anxiety, it's very hard to connect with others. It's very hard to feel any other feeling besides being fearful. And that is such a hard way to live. So if you struggle with discerning the difference between your fear and your anxiety, understand you're not alone. It's very common. It is something that you not only have to practice, but to reiterate what I said in the beginning of the show, the why we want to work with our intuition, why we want to heed it is because, especially for those of us that are anxious, we will feel better when we have tuned in to ourselves. When we are allowing ourselves to feel our feelings, when we are noticing when something feels good and right and in alignment, and when we're paying attention enough to notice when something feels not right and not good and not in alignment. This is why we want to pay attention to our intuition anyway. It will tell us everything we need to know to be having a better experience. Because when we feel aligned, when we feel ourself, when we feel fulfilled in our relationships and in our decisions, things flow into place. You know that saying, like, everything fell into place. And of course, we've all experienced that. Like, you make one decision and then you know, four more sort of fall into our laps, fall into perfect place because you took that step in faith or you did something that felt right and then everything else just sort of came together. The more you do that, the more in alignment everything else becomes. And that starts with, either consciously or subconsciously, that starts with our intuition, our inner voice, etc., Today's show is brought to you by Ebby, a seamless underwear membership co-founded by actress and entrepreneur Sofia Vergara and Renata Black. Remember when we did a bonus episode with her a few months back? Really amazing conversation. You can get 20% off your first order at joinebby.com with the code THINGS20. Welcome to a universe with no panty lines in sight. Ebbies are seamless, effortless, and smooth. Their no-slip grip keeps everything in place, and they're designed to move with you from the office to the yoga studio to happy hour with the girls. They have body-glorifying fits and styles in sizes extra small to 4X because we want all the ladies in our crew. And of course, there's cotton lining to keep our lady parts healthy. We see undies as a major source of power. A membership keeps your underwear drawer fresh and 10% of every purchase helps fund cyclical microfinance loans for women around the world. When you choose Ebby's, you choose to wear the absolute best and to empower women out of poverty and into business. With a loan as small as $90, a woman can transform her life, lift her family out of poverty and build a stronger community. When she pays her loan back, the loan becomes available for other women. We are fiercely committed to positive impact on repeat. So get your butt in here. Join our membership or shop Seamless Panties now. Get 20% off your first order at joinebby.com with code THINGS20. And now back to the show. 
But as I'm talking about this part, this living it out in the day-to-day, it brings us to the next thing I want to talk about, which is relationships. This came up in the connection group a few times. I asked in our wonderful community, our Facebook group, the connection group, what they wanted to talk about in terms of intuition. And several things that came up were about how it impacts your relationships, meaning what if you intuitively feel some way, but your partner or your child or your parent or your coworker, they are not on the same page with you. They either see it differently, their intuition is telling them something else, or they're sort of poo-pooing the idea that you're even making it about intuition. You know, that's just not their vibe. (laughs) That's not their way that they want to think about this or approach this. And so they're either making fun of you for doing that or belittling it, or in some cases, this is harder if they are saying that their intuition is the opposite of what yours is how to navigate that, how hard that is, and how this can be especially hard when you're talking about something that, you know, matters to other people. So in a family sense, maybe you're talking about a parenting decision or, you know, a big life decision, a career move, buying or selling a house. I don't know. There's so many big things where your intuition isn't exactly the only factor on the table. You have to think about practical things. You have to think about how other people feel about something. Like most of us are not living in a place where we can just solely rely on our intuition for all the things. And that can get very sticky, especially if it's something you feel very strongly about. So there aren't going to be any easy pat answers to what this is like, other than this is just part of the conversation. And if you're taking this topic to a friend or your journal, it's just another layer element to think about. For me, it would be hard for me to be in deep relationship with someone who really belittled my intuition. Now, with that said, Jeff makes fun of my intuition all the time. My husband teases me about it because he has been the witness many times when I have gotten it wrong or when I have really been vocal about how I felt about something and, you know, I wasn't exactly on the nose about it, let's say. But on important decisions, whether he wants to call it intuition or not, because it's not really how his brain works. He values my opinion on something, however that opinion shows itself, whether it's through like facts and data or whether it's just me saying, I have a bad feeling about this. I do think he sort of chooses his battle on whether or not he pays a lot of attention to it or if he tries to, you know, take it into consideration as we're looking at all of the different pros and cons around a decision. My emotional feeling about something, it still matters in among those factors. I do not spend a lot of time trying to convince him about how intuition works and how much it matters to me and, you know, all of this kind of conversation that we're having. Like, I don't do a lot of that with him and that's okay. But we are constantly trying to respect the other one's process you know, because he makes decisions or he has gut instincts that sort of work in a very different way than mine do. And we don't need to absolutely understand how the other one works in their innermost being to respect it. So that's what I guess I want to say when you're thinking about the relationship piece of this is, are you being misunderstood? And how much does that matter for you to explain it or not? Or are you being disrespected, which is a really different thing. And I've also learned, or at least thought about, I don't know that this lesson has completely sunk in, but I have really thought about over the last few years, how much I don't need to explain myself. I spent a ton of energy when I was younger, really explaining how I came to a conclusion or explaining these things I was learning about and less and less do I need to do that as I get older? My opinion stands. If I am in a conversation with someone, and I do have these people in my life 
who absolutely would dismiss or try to invalidate me talking about my intuition about something, I just don't need to give them all that detail. I can simply say to them, I'm not going to do that. I don't need to tell them I felt a bad vibe. I did my five minutes of stillness and the water was moving or the water was still. Like I don't need to get into my whole spiritual, emotional process with someone who is not going to respect it, who's not going to understand it. I just need my decision to be heard and my yes is my yes and my no is my no. And so if you find yourself in a situation with someone who just cannot or will not get on this intuition page with you, then I would not open myself up to them in the same way. Now, in the other scenario where your intuition says one thing and another person's intuition says the exact opposite thing, that is very difficult. And I guess I would just return to the whole point of this episode, which is don't be a zombie. All of this is information. And unless it is truly a life-threatening situation, in which case, please do not use my words here as the basis for anything, but in more normal life situations or disagreements where you might feel differently intuitively about something than someone else, take that in as information. Like, oh, isn't that interesting that they feel so strongly the opposite way? Well, let's just keep paying attention and see how this plays out. Not see who's right, see who's wrong. It's not a competition. There is no award for most intuitive. Just take it in and don't let it sway you from your own intuitive feelings, from whatever you might have really tapped into with yourself. Don't let someone else's claims of their intuition mess with yours, but it might just be a learning tool as you get better at honing in to your own inner voice and shedding the information or voices or noise that do not serve you and that you should not be listening to. Every interaction, every decision, especially when made jointly, is a chance to learn and relearn this. This doesn't help, I suppose, if you're at a real crossroads with someone and you know, you've come to a standstill because you deeply disagree on something. But I also think that in those times, something will yield in you, in them, in external factors. Something always yields, doesn't it? Nothing stays locked in deep conflict forever. And if it does, I guess that's a whole other lesson to learn, isn't it? But what if it turns out you are the wrong one in this situation? What happens when you get it wrong? And maybe this is, as we just discussed, in conflict with someone else, turns out their intuition was right, yours was wrong. Or maybe it's not so clear as that. Maybe it's not something that you ever discussed. It's just an intuition that you had about someone or something, and it turns out you got it wrong, whether anyone knew it or not. Of course, this happens. This happens to me more often than I want to admit because I'm a person who talks about intuition on the internet. (laughs) And so now I'm going to be a person who talks about getting it wrong on the internet. But I do. I misjudge things fairly often, often enough to be able to say anything anymore with complete certainty. And it doesn't mean that's because I'm less tuned into my intuition, even though I've gone in and out of zombie mode in this weird year. But it doesn't really mean I'm less tuned in. In some ways, it means I'm more tuned in because I've been using my intuition so much or trying to that it's now more apparent to me, you know, when I've gotten it wrong. Whereas before I was reading about this stuff, paying a lot of attention to this stuff, I I wasn't keeping any kind of, (laughs) I don't know, emotional tally marks of when I've gotten intuition wrong or right. I still don't keep emotional tally marks, of course, but like I didn't even have any kind of framework to think about how often I was wrong or right intuitively. And now just because I'm paying attention a lot, I can sort of gauge a lot better 
when I'm more likely to get something wrong because I've started to notice some of my own patterns. One of the things that's come up for me a lot lately that I've been wrong about actually stems from jealousy. Jealousy, envy, is an emotion that I thought for a very long time that I didn't have a lot of. Like I really didn't feel a lot of jealousy in my life, either in like very superficial ways, like in a, you know, oh, this person's life is so Pinterest perfect and I wish my life was Pinterest perfect, like that kind of way, or like deeper, more relational envy that comes up with, you know, sometimes with loved ones or friends or something like that. I just, I didn't have a lot of that emotion, I thought, and probably would have said that like out loud. Like, I don't, I'm not really a jealous person that much. Well, cut to 2020 with me trying to be very intentional and paying a lot of attention to my emotions. And I've noticed this year that a few different times when I got something wrong, when I misjudged a situation or a person, it was rooted in jealousy. When I'm jealous, I convince myself that I'm what I'm actually feeling is a bad vibe. I don't really know how else to say it, but I start to second guess other people's motivations or I start to feel like a very strange, like competitive thing or something like that, that is not intuition, but I think it is for a minute until I realize like, oh no, I'm sort of like jealous a little bit of this person and what they have or the ease with which they are able to do something. And so me thinking at the outset, oh, I don't. I don't like them. I have a bad vibe from them. I don't feel good about this. They rub me the wrong way. Well, sometimes, sure, that's intuition. When someone rubs you the wrong way, you get a bad vibe. That can be a, that can be real intuition. Or, as I've discovered about myself, it can occasionally be like a petty jealousy. Obviously, those are some casual examples that I'm giving. There are many times in life when getting it wrong matters a lot more than that. I've seen some examples about, you know, dating someone and and talking yourself out of your intuition because they are a great person on paper and everyone swears by them. And then you end up getting in a real toxic relationship and you should have listened to your intuition in the first place, but now you're pretty entangled and there's a lot of heartache involved. I've seen examples of people who made a move in their career. Maybe they moved cities, you know, sort of big things. And then it fell apart. It wasn't the right thing, or it didn't last long, or something about it just turned out to be not right when they were absolutely convinced on a deep inner voice level that they had done the right thing. Well, I have two things to say about that. Number one is that it may have been part of your path to have made this mistake. You needed to learn this lesson from this relationship, from this career move, whatever. You needed to learn this so that you don't repeat it so that you don't make the same mistake in a worse way in the future. Something is going to come out of it that's not the main thing, meaning like you're going to meet a coworker that is going to be important, but the actual job itself didn't work out. But there's some element of it that you needed along your path, your journey, if you will. (laughs) And that's absolutely true. It doesn't mean if you got it wrong, that all is lost and you really failed. I know that it feels that way. I have felt that way myself, very much so. In fact, one of my early relationships, long before I was married, one of my early relationships, I got it so wrong that then I didn't trust myself for years after. I felt like I didn't deserve to be tuning into my intuition because obviously I was a bad judge of character and couldn't be trusted You know, I really, really beat myself up about it for years and really diminished myself in that time, made myself smaller. And if I could go back, I would tell my younger self not to starve my intuition, but to feed it. Even after I messed it up, quit trying to make it smaller and putting it in a little box because it messed up once and instead empower it, learn more about it, practice, feed it. Grow that intuition stronger after the misstep instead of starving it away. I really wish that. And then secondly, about the missteps, is intuition 
is never wrong. I've read this a hundred places. I don't want to believe it. I know you don't want to believe it, but intuition is never wrong. We get it wrong. We talk ourselves into or out of all kinds of things. We convince ourselves that it's still water when it's really running water. We convince ourselves that it's totally fine when we know that it's not. Or the opposite, we convince ourselves that something is really wrong. This person is a really bad person. When really, we're just scared or there are other factors playing into our reasoning. But how many times have you talked yourself into feeling some way? And you really do. You really drill down and get yourself to a place where you finally have really convinced yourself that this is it. And then when something goes wrong and you realize it wasn't what you thought, then you say, oh, I knew it. I knew it deep in my heart. I knew this was the wrong thing and I did it anyway. And it's very frustrating and you're kind of bummed at yourself. I know you know this feeling. I know this feeling. You know immediately that you had talked yourself in to this thing that wasn't real. Well, the thing is, that wasn't intuition. Intuition is never wrong. It's just such a big concept to digest, really, because it's hard to think about this in a, in a big picture way when you look at history, when you look at even what's happening now. When people, two people can feel deeply, deeply, deeply on an intuitive level, the complete opposite things as one another. And that is just really hard to understand. I don't understand it, but I do believe that intuition, like God or the universe or inner voice, it just is. And when we are tapping into that source, it is always good and right and holy but we are fallible humans and we're going to get it wrong sometimes. But when we get it right, this is the magic of our lives. We feel such a difference, such a vibrancy when we get it right. And I think we should celebrate that. And we should, you know, pat ourselves on the back when we get it right, when we did this, when we weren't zombies, when we lived our just random Tuesday in complete alignment with who we are, moving towards what we want in life and on the very path that we're supposed to be on, even if that currently means a detour, we know we're headed in the right direction. When we feel all of that, can you feel it in your spirit right now, like as I'm talking? When we feel all of that, that deserves to be celebrated, that deserves to be noticed. And not just dismissed as a shrug of the shoulders, like, oh, I just had a good day. Oh, hormones are good. Must have slept well last night. I don't want to be so casual about it. Like you, I have had a year of ups and downs and some incredible highs, actually some of the biggest highs of my whole life, and then also some real moments of low and fear and full-blown zombie. And that's just how it's going to be. Sometimes we are going to be a zombie. But if we're awake enough to hear these words today and for the rest of this holiday season to finish out 2020 stronger than we could have ever imagined when we were walking through it, we are going to celebrate. We're going to crawl into bed at night and feel like, okay, deep breaths. I paid a lot of attention today to my innermost thoughts. I paid a lot of attention to my alignment And it wasn't perfect, but I did it. I wasn't a zombie. And that is going to feel good. And you're going to have one day like that, or even just one hour. And then there'll be another one and another one and another one. It really does tend to multiply when you tune in and pay attention. I'm going to close with what I started with. Talking through all of this with you was a gift to myself. I needed to process some of this. I needed to hear my own pep talk, to not be a zombie in these last weeks of the year when we are tired, when we are still scared, when things feel still uncertain, but with hope and clarity on the way. That is truly how I feel. I hope that is how you feel. We will not be zombies. We will be strong, intuitive, 
humans on our best path, and we will also share about it, right? Text a friend, pull out your journal, take five minutes today to sit in stillness and see what comes up. That is my wish for you. I don't think I'm setting the bar too high, everyone. Don't be a zombie. and you've just listened to the 10 Things to Tell You podcast. You can find the show notes and subscribe to episode emails at 10thingstotellyou.com slash podcast. And you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at 10 Things to Tell You. Remember, this is an interactive podcast. I have 10 things to tell you and you have 10 things to tell. So take this topic to your journal or a friend or post on social media using the hashtag 10thingstotellyou. These episodes are meant to bring connection with others and ourselves and spark better conversations. Thanks for listening. Now go share something.